You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. He knows everything about us, and He still loves us that much. That's the love that God has, because it's not just that God has love. God is love. In other words, that's who God is. The love God has for us is different from the love we have for others. It's not based on feelings or emotions, but it's a perfect, unconditional love. This is an amazing gift because he knows us deeply and yet still loves us. In today's message with Pastor J.D., we will learn about the ways in which God loves us despite our failures. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. David here again is trying, as eloquent as he is, inspired by the Spirit of God, as the sweet psalmist of Israel, he is trying, as he may, to wrap his mind around just the marvel of how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So not only does God know us, God is also with us, and God created us and formed us. And then he says, verse 15, he's building up to something here, just be patient. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now look in verse 18 as he tries to even grasp how often it is that God thinks about him. He says, verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Huh? So we went down to watch my uh, son Levi surf a couple days ago. And just the sand on Kailua Beach. Think about this. God thinks about you. He thinks about me more times than there are sand on the beach of the shores on the entire planet. That's a lot. Wait a minute. 
you think about me that much? Yeah. Wow, you must really love me. I do. Yeah, but you know me. And you still love me? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know everything about me. And you still think about me that much? Yeah. Wow. I I can't even get my mind around that. Isn't it true that we think about those that we love? I remember when my wife and I first met, we courted for two years. I thought about her all the time. Now you're looking at me going, what, you don't think about her all the time now? No, I'm with her all the time now, so (laughs) I still love her as the love grows. But I mean, I couldn't stop thinking about her. Every moment I would, in fact, it was hard to work, it was hard to concentrate, it was hard to do anything because I couldn't stop thinking about her. That's what David's saying. Let me say it this way. God loves us so much, He can't stop thinking about us. If you were to try, it's not doable, it's incomprehensible, it's unattainable. (laughs) And what makes this so mind-blowing, if I can say it that way, is that He knows everything about us, and He still loves us that much. That's the love that God has, because it's not just that God has love. God is love. In other words, that's who God is, love. And it's an unconditional love. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That makes me, (laughs) takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? Could you imagine if God's love for us, God's thoughts towards us were predicated upon how good we were? He would never think about me. (laughs) He would never think about you either. If it was reliant upon, dependent upon us being lovable. No, I just love you because. That's what agape love is. I love you because. I love you no matter what. I'm with you no matter what. I will never leave you. Yes, I know that about you, but I still love you, and I will still never leave you. So in this failed effort to try in some way to illustrate or even equate how often God thinks about us in His love for us by likening it to the number of the sands on the seashores, He says, when I awake, and this is interesting, I am still with you. You know, one thing about sleep, it levels the playing field, doesn't it? We're all pretty much the same when we're sleeping. But God never sleeps. And 
when we're sleeping, he's still thinking about us, even while we're sleeping. He's still there with us, even while we're sleeping. Now, in verse 19, David turns a really sharp corner, and it's almost kind of jarring in the sense that he's just got done describing the magnificence and the awe of God and His omniscience and His omnipresence and even His omnipotence. And it's almost like in addition to not being able to get his mind around how awesome and good God is, that there would be anybody who would continue in wickedness, rejecting this God who loves them so much. So look at the sharp corner he turns in verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Whoa, David, whoa. Wait a minute, let's, can we just back up and go in reverse, to back to verse 19. If I should count them, your thoughts towards me, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Wow, it's like he woke up and out of a nightmare or something, and now he wants God to slay the wicked. And then, even more interesting, it's like, keep in mind, this is a song. You got to wonder what the tune was, <laughs> what the melody was, what the beat was to this song or how the chords would have changed maybe from a major to a minor chord when he gets to this verse. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. And then he says to them, Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. In other words, God, how is it even possible as good as you are, as present as you are, never leaving, never forsaking me, as awesome as you are, as loving as you are, despite how much you know about me, how is it even possible that people would speak against you wickedly? That makes no sense whatsoever. How can they speak wickedly against you as a God who is so loving? He's, he's struggling, <laughs> kind of like I am right now, just reading it, teaching it. For they speak against you wickedly, and this one, we've talked about this, your enemies take your name in vain. You know how it is when somebody takes the name of your Jesus, my Jesus, our Savior, the name of Jesus, and they say it with a curse? Does that not just, I mean, it is just everything within you is just grieved, and 
you just shriek in horror at the sound of somebody taking the name of your God, your Savior, and using it that way. You know, over the years I've gotten better. Maybe it comes with age. I I used to have more energy and I was up for a good fight. Now it's kind of like, it's not worth it. But when somebody says Jesus that way, I now will say something like this. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that you take the name of my Jesus in vain and say Jesus Christ when something happens? Here's my question. Why don't you say the name of Muhammad instead? How about Buddha? I have yet to hear anybody say, Oh, Buddha! In the Middle East, if you take the name of Muhammad like that, you will be in grave danger. I'll tell you why. I'll answer the question for you, if you don't mind. Here's why you take the name of Jesus and say it like that. Because the name of Jesus is the only name given on earth among heaven by which man will be saved. There is power in the name of Jesus. You know how it is when you're in a conversation and you just bring up the word Jesus air stops. Right? Am I right? I know I've shared this as well before, but maybe it's appropriate to share it again. You know, my my name is Wahid Faez Farag. How about that? When I got early in my 20s into the commission sales, I had to come up with a, a name that people would remember because they would have to ask for you so that you would get the commission. So I had a name that people aren't not only going to remember, but they're not going to be able to pronounce it. So I decided to come up with a nickname. I'm new in the Lord, and I decided to come up with a nickname that would give me an opportunity to share my faith. So I came up with JD, and it stands for Jesus Disciple. And so on my business cards, it would say Wahid JD Farag. Eventually it would become a legal AKA. It's actually a legal AKA. It's a legal name now. So I would be in this sales situation with the buyer sitting across the desk from me, and (laughs) they would see my card and say, oh, how do you get JD out of that? And what does JD stand for? Jack Daniels? (laughs) Okay. And then I would say, no, not exactly. It stands for Jesus Disciple, because I'm a Christian. And you should see the whole, their whole disposition. Oh my goodness. They would just, oh, <laughs> they would just, you know, I have different names for the laughs. It was the courtesy laugh. <laughs> Sometimes I'd get the machine gun laugh. <laughs> but it was always this awkward, uncomfortable laugh like, oh, okay, well, excuse my French. Listen buddy, that's not French, but 
I get the point. But just by introducing the name of Jesus, it has that much power, and it changes the whole complexion of the conversation. David is expressing his deep disgust, for lack of a better word, his disdain, and it's going to get worse, for those who would take the name of his God in vain? How could you? You must not know him. Because if you knew him like I know him, and how good he is, you would never dare do that. It's unthinkable. Verse 21 might jam some gears here. Oh, that's an old metaphor. I should say crash some hard drives. That's the newer metaphor. Listen to what David says. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Oh, that's not very nice. That's not very loving. I thought we we're not supposed to hate. Oh, yeah. I hate the things that you hate, Lord. Wait, is it okay to hate somebody? Wait, if God is love, how is it possible that God can hate? Oh yeah. It's a perfect hatred, as we're going to see here in a moment. He says, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them, I hate them, with perfect hatred. Can I say it this way? Maybe this will help a little bit. I hate them with a holy hatred, a perfect hatred. Because God, you are perfect. Your love is perfect. And for them to rise up against you, it deserves a perfect hatred in response. I count them my enemies. You're an enemy of God, you're my enemy. And then verse 23, and verse 24 with it. This is what I love about David, and I, as we've gotten to know him, certainly in the Psalms, but prior in the books of First and Second Samuel, in our study through the Kings and Chronicles as well. But David had a heart for God, a heart after God's own heart, meaning that his heart pursued the things that God's heart were after. He was after what God was after. He hated what God hated. He loved what God loved. He pursued what God pursued. His heart was knit together with the heart of God. He had a heart for God, a heart after God's own heart. And now listen to what he says. And this should (laughs) explain it. And maybe fill in some of the blanks of what a heart after God's own heart looks like. Listen to what he says. This is a sincere prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. That's a dangerous prayer, by the way. 
Because you're basically saying, God, put me to the test. And know my, and this is very interesting, anxieties. Here's David's prayer. Verse 23, Lord, I want you to do a, a thorough examination of my heart, deep within the recess of my heart. Because see, I can't know my own heart. That's what Jeremiah says. My heart's deceitfully wicked. Nobody can know how wicked our hearts truly are. But you know my heart. I don't know my own heart. I mean, man looks at the outward appearance, but if anybody knew that, it was David. But God looks at the heart. God knows our heart. And so God, because you know my heart, I want you to do a thorough examination, and I want you to put me to the test, and I want you to know the anxiety that I have. What? Anxiety? Hmm. That's interesting. That's a biggie, isn't it, in the day in which we live? People are full of anxiety, uncertainty. Anxiety is real. And David's honest that he struggles with anxiety. And so, Lord, I, I want you to search my heart and you know all of the anxiety that I struggle with, the fear in my heart, the anxieties in my heart. You search my heart. Now, verse 24, when you've done this thorough examination and search, I want you to see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. What's he saying here? What's he praying here? You'll forgive me for saying it this way, but for lack of a better way of saying it, David is in effect giving God permission to do some heart surgery. <laughs> He's giving God permission and unfettered access to the deep recess of his unknowable heart, his heart that only God knows. And he's basically saying, God, hey, whatever you find in there that doesn't belong there, I don't even know it's there, get it out of there. Remove it, as only you can. And I don't want any wickedness, any evil, any sin, anything taking up residence in my heart. And I'm saying to you, God, search my heart. And if there's anything like that in there, get it out of there. And lead me in the way everlasting. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.